0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast the International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pollbox Podcast. Uh, this is our 44th episode. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am your other host, Curtis Finley. And uh, this month we are going to talk about... Darwin Cook. Or this this week. Well, yeah, I guess this whole month we're talking about The whole about month
0: Darwin we're Cohen. talking about Darwin Cook. Yeah. Yeah, we just de- decided to dedicate the whole month to him because he recently passed on and um, yeah. at a young age of cancer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what a loss for the comic book world because he wasn't actually around for that long in yeah. doing stuff. But w- while he was there, man, he had an incredibly great body of work. So we previously talked about New Frontier. Yep. And then this, this week we're going to discuss um, Darwin Cook's adaptation of Parker. And uh, Parker is a series of books from the '60s by a guy named Richard Stark, whose real name was uh, actually Donald Westlake. Um, he, and uh, he that guy passed away in 2008. And Darwin Cook, being a big fan of the Parker series, decided to um, draw graphic novel adaptations of these books. So um, there are four books in this series, and then IDW has also published the the original prose versions with new darwin cook illustrations so there's plenty of darwin cook stuff out there with parker um so we're going to talk about the first book which is called Mm -hmm. the hunter and this is our introduction introduction to parker um the world he lives in and who he is and what he does um the basic premise of the book is that um this is new york city in 1962 and this guy parker apparently i guess comes back from the dead or he Mm -hmm. wasn't dead in the first place but he resurfaces and um and he's angry he's got a he's got a grudge against a whole bunch of people who tried to kill him back in the past and they all thought he was dead so um parker is a professional um bank thief yeah or i guess they call him a payroll thief because he doesn't rob banks he robs um when, when the when payroll's on the move, he, like, takes care of those uh, yeah. caravans or whatever and, and makes off with a bunch of money. And um, through a series of flashbacks throughout the, throughout the uh, book, um, we find out that he, he was in a deal that went south. Someone tried to double-cross him, and um, he, got, he got shot, and his house was set on fire, or the house he was in was set on fire, so yeah. they thought he was dead. And this deals with him coming back. And doing a lot of detective work to find out where the people are that he was associated with before so he can take them out, take them mm-hmm. all out. Um, it's it's a beautiful book. The yeah. presentation is just fantastic. Um, and Darwin Cook always has this kind of retro feel in his drawings. Yeah. So to take a book that was contemporary when it was written, but now it's retro <laughs> yes. and giving it a retro style it's yeah. it's like it's great it's perfect yeah. um he adapts the the style he adapts the mood um i, I i'm going to say really well but i haven't actually read the original prose yeah, yeah. novel so i can't say um but i this is just fantastic there are a lot of things in here that he uh little storytelling devices that he does that uh, that are signature him and then um oh. adds on top of it it um, yeah. Did you, have you heard of these before I brought this up? No,
1: it, I'd never heard of it before. Um, but I mean like you, you get the sense, uh, that, that the character is very much, uh, uh, like, like sort of that iconic, he's, he's kind of, um, the, the 1960s equivalent to like Sam Spade, right? which is like the 1930s and 40s. Uh, that Humphrey Bogart famously p- played. Yeah, in, but in Sam Spade years, was a but. hero. This yeah, guy's definitely. kind of the our anti-hero. Yeah. Well, okay, so Sam Spade, Sam Spade in in. Uh, the movies is played off as a hero and retrospectively we look at it and it looks, and he appears to be heroic, but to the audience at the time, he was actually very much a character like this because okay. Humphrey Bogart was not a leading man until he started playing Sam Spade. Oh, okay. Um, the character of Sam Spade was actually like, like sort of kind of like a gray area. Cause he's a private detective, right? Yeah. Nowadays we look at private detectives with this sort of, um, uh, it is a heroic like there's a very romantic aspect to it because yeah. we're removed from that time but in that time private detectives were considered sort of scummy right, right. Yeah, so yeah. um the, the, and actually in one of the other books that we're going to talk about this month that that is actually kind of there as well right. so um but yeah it, like so so the character as especially like cast as humphrey bogart who up until that point had played villains Hmm. um it it was very much the same sort of idea interesting so uh yeah but but yeah so this guy like he's he is our protagonist but he is not the good guy um because this is a world where there are no good guys this is very much like a like a breaking bad sort of situation where like you just really have a bunch of characters who like, none of them are redeemable. No. Or Madman. Actually, Madman's probably a really great guy. Uh, because of the time frame. Yeah. Allegory, yeah, because yeah, they're like the same sort of. Um, and, Madman
0: and- doesn't have the same sort of villainy, though, as these guys. Because no, these guys for sure. are all mob bosses. They're yeah. all in organized crime. And um, he visits a number of different, um, I don't know, just organizations that yeah. ha- are um, on the level on the front, but then yeah. you. He's that he knows automatically that the guys in here are all corrupt yeah, and they're all yeah. doing their, their shady business deals and, yeah. um, whether it's up in their high towers or even like, um, car salesmen and, yeah, yeah. and um, all of that.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. So it was written in the sixties. Like it was written at the, at the time. Yep. Um, that's that's really interesting because there's, like, a perspective to it that's very, like, self-aware of the 60s. Yeah. Which is interesting because if the novels were originally written there, I don't know if that's coming across because it's an adaptation and that's Darwin Cook's uh, sort of spin on it. Or if the novels... It would be interesting to go and read the novel right? to, because to see how much it was, syncs up to
0: Was them. Richard Stark really aware of yeah. all of the crime that was going behind the scenes at, in the sixties because yeah. that's something, yeah, we look back in history and know yeah. that that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a yeah. Good it'd be
1: interesting. It'd be interesting. So if anybody out there who's listening has read the novel, Um but yeah, I, I really liked it. And I, I, the way that it ends, I'm, I'm kind of interested in picking up the next For one. For sure. See Definitely. What happens, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's good. It leaves you... Like, the story wraps itself up. Everything's finished. It's a nice, tidy bow. And then, like, the last page is, like, just enough for you to be like, well, what's he going to do next? Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Well, and um, because, yeah, one of the next books... The third book is called The Outfit. So, you know, that's what they refer to the crime syndicate in this book as The Outfit. And so we know that he's going to eventually go on and take care of everything, right? And, um. But, yeah, this as far as this book is concerned, it's a nice standalone book. You can read it and be satisfied with it. Yeah, for but sure. then, yeah, there's so much
1: more story to be yeah. told afterwards. But, uh, but be prepared for a downer because, <laughs> yeah. like, everybody's going to die. Yeah, uh, it's... And, and uh, nobody's going to get a happy ending, not even Parker, who... Like, it's a, it's a revenge story, right? So yeah. it, um, it actually reminds me a lot of Death Proof. Uh, okay. Which, if you've ever seen the the 1980s... Actually, I think the first one came out in the 70s. But uh, Charles Bronson uh, in Death Proof... It's actually... The first Death Proof is Jeff Goldblum's first on-screen role. Oh, yeah. As, yeah, he's... Uh, so the movie begins with these two, like, junkie, drug addict-y, you know, bad guys in New York... Um, breaking into an affluent person's house. And, and uh, uh, they kill Charles Bronson's wife... And then, uh, uh, rape his daughter and like she, his daughter goes crazy and is in an institution. And then Charles Bronson goes on like a one man crusade through New York, which in the seventies and the eighties was like a sketchy place. Right. Yeah. Um, and he goes around basically just like anytime, like as a vigilante, just like anytime he sees anybody doing anything illegal, he just pulls out a gun and kills them. (laughs) Um, all sort of like in this effort to, to, uh, uh, make examples, write, yeah, and like right the wrong yeah. that was done to his family. So it's very similar except that Charles Bronson was an architect at the beginning of that. Oh yeah. And then, and then becomes a vigilante through a series if, of events. Sounds more
0: similar to this. Parker seems more similar to road to perdition in that sense then. Okay. Cause yeah, there's, yeah. there's still a crime. Yeah, for sure. Uh, ties at the beginning and yeah. it's, that's a revenge story as well. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I, I love the first scene in this book because the first, um, the first several pages, maybe about 20 pages or so mm-hmm. are wordless. And, yeah. um, I mean the, the very openings, um, opening panel has some words. It says when a fresh faced guy in a Chevy offers him a list, lift Parker told him to go to hell. Um, and then it goes, takes us through 20 pages of, um, Parker wandering through the streets of New York through the subway yeah. through the the diners and and we learn so much of his character through his actions here um just that he doesn't he doesn't care about things he, he
1: um no he's not a likable guy
0: he's not a likable guy but he's also just a f- um a presence that yeah. people notice everywhere he goes people are turning their heads and i kind of are shocked to see him cuz he's just he's just Parker i guess or yeah. something like that But you know he hops the cap, he hops the 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 turnstile at the subway, so he doesn't pay for it, and he kind of looks like a bum at some point because someone flips him a nickel, and he uses that to go to buy coffee, and he takes off the filter of the cigarette, so he smokes unfiltered cigarettes, right? And he throws his litter on the ground. He's that kind of kind of he's just a doesn't care about anything kind of guy, yeah. And um, and then gets himself a fake driver's license and um and crumples it up so it looks used so we know that he's not on the level in that sense as well and and then we get a look at his face finally the whole thing we don't get to see him and i i just like the the way he told that story because in the novel that's all going to be written yeah so that this already has been justified as an adequate graphic novel adaptation yeah because he's Doing something that would be impossible to do in, in the book. Yeah, for um, sure. So and then and then they start talking, and we get to find out a little bit more about his actual, the way he thinks and the way he talks and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So I, I, it's just it hooked me right at the beginning because of that, um, that and Darwin Cook's incredible art, which is all, um, like I guess gray marker.
1: Yeah, it's like a it's it's monochromatic. It's not. It's not black and white because the there is, like, a color tone to it. It is, like, sort of a, a bluish gray.
0: Yeah. Well, and the pages are yellow, too. Yeah. I I feel like it gives it that more vintage look. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so they printed it on, on kind of cream-colored paper. And then, yeah, this grayish-blue marker that he uses to give it that noir feel instead. Mm. And he doesn't use borders throughout the entire thing. So yeah. all of his panels are 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 open-ended. Um, and a lot of the time he just doesn't even draw the, the, the lines on the characters. He leaves that up to the shading. Yeah. And it's a fantastic technique and I think it makes it look, um, look like it's, I, I don't know from that era well, even it, yeah, more it, or something. It
1: reminds me of um, of sort of like the advertisements and posters of the era, yeah, like illustrated. So it's if you yeah. you go to Disneyland, they're all over the place, right? Right, they, they do them for a lot of the different. Well, even if you sort of
0: if you watch Mad Men, then yeah. all of the illustrations, the examples they have in there yeah. are similar to that. Yeah, I just love his um, the fonts he uses, his uh, yeah. his calligraphy, and um, he hand letters all of the the text. I think it's not. I don't think it's a font because each letter is actually a little bit different it's different yeah um but yeah just an incredible use of of the space he's just a great artist
1: yeah well and and on top of just having sort of that that signature style that darwin cook had um he also had a a cinematic sense right yeah and it's gonna be it's in it's in all three of the books that we're talking about um and it just like you could they are they're almost storyboards yeah. In some instances, especially like you talk about those first twenty pages with no dialogue. Yeah. Um, well, it's sort of like panel by panel. It it's like it's like six panels per page on almost all the pages, right? Yep. Yeah. Sort of like very consistent and laying and, out the action. Well, and yeah, he started which is very cinematic.
0: He started before he got into comics, he was doing storyboards and animation. Mm-hmm. He was on Batman the Animated Series. There you go. And that, uh, well, and
1: that, you know, that actually explains it a lot explains of his style. His style. Absolutely. It's very like Bruce Tim he, and Darwin Cook have a lot of similarities. Yep. In their he comes style.
0: from that school and, and it works. And, uh, yeah, the storytelling is just incredible. Yeah. And there's a lot of influence, um, there's a lot of Will Eisner influence in this yeah. book in particular yeah. as well which we'll read his adaptation of The Spirit which is Will Eisner's creation but um just in little things like um uh, when, the way he lays out text there's one let's see if I can find it there's one one page where uh, I think it's toward the end it's a city and um the action is at the bottom of the page and then the um, the towers form a little, um, I don't know, a little cut in the skyline, and the text falls down. Oh, there it is. So it's on page 61. Um, the action is at the bottom of the page, and then there's one building that's white in the background, and he lays his yeah. text out just down the center of the page, at the top of the page there. Um, it's just really... Like, he doesn't put it in a box like he would a Marvel comic or something like that, right? It's just, uh, um, that is such a Will Eisner way of telling the story and incorporating the text into the art in a way that's pleasing and and looks.
1: Well, and he doesn't, especially in Parker, he doesn't um, let the medium dictate the storytelling devices that he's using. Right. Right? He pulls in... Uh, he uses obviously like the comic book sequential art yep. storytelling devices over and over and over but it, as we already talked about he uses very cinematic devices as well um, but but then he also like in that example although he's laid out the page and it's a beautiful page the text is one chunk and yep. it's really more prose. Than it right. is anything else. So yeah. like, and and he jumps back and forth between that. Where like occasionally you'll get to a page, and that page will be It's heavy on text. Yeah, yeah. it'll just be like, and and then Parker went to this place, and he did this thing, and blah blah. Which blah, I think
0: is to to give off that noir yeah, detective sure. kind of feel, yeah. um, because that's that's what he's going for in here too. And and I think that um, yeah. one of the iconic things about the original books is probably that that style of prose yeah, and to lose that in the, in this adaptation would be a, a big shame. So yeah, he, there are large chunks where it's just a narrator telling us what's going on, um, in that, uh, in that 1930s kind of noir feel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that, <laughs> is, is that, That's, is that it? Yeah, I guess it probably is. We don't, I mean, it's just, it's just so you got to read it yeah you got to read it so that's the thing it is
1: like yeah because otherwise you know we would just be summarizing the plot well i don't want to like there's there's so much in there that i
0: want to be left a surprise for anyone who's going to be reading this so i don't want to get heavy duty into the yeah into the even this who the characters are because there's so much mystery um involved in
1: the storytelling
0: that it would ruin it for
1: sure for sure, and it's it's really cool because it does like it, it it plays with the timeline, it plays with um, the perspective, uh, being that yeah. like you know for the first book it's it's from Parker's perspective, and then the second book is from, uh, and sorry the the book itself like the the Park, book is called book Hunter, one. Uh, yeah yeah like the the Hunter it's actually broken up into, into four like, parts book one two three four yeah, yeah. and uh, and and it switches between perspectives so like first person parker first person for another character and sort of like fills you in on stuff and so the first story you get a sense of his motivation and then the second you kind of get the backstory that you need Right. Right. Um you kinda get that the actual details and as well as the motivation for another character. And then you kinda it kinda goes through in that way and mm-hmm. lets lets the story uncover itself. Yeah. But it's not afraid to jump around in the timeline and it respects the reader and, and saying that it like, really you does. can follow yeah. the the logic on this. And you know, like the I think the last thing that I'll say is that mysteries and noir often fall apart in the storytelling because they get convoluted and and they're hard to follow, and that's most people's uh, complaints about about noir. Most people who don't like noir, um, like if you go back to we we're talking about Sam Spade. you talk about the Maltese Falcon. I we we studied it in film school, and uh, and I can remember a lot of people in film school being like, I did not enjoy that movie, and <laughs> and then you start talking to them, and you discover that like, well, they just didn't follow. They didn't, and especially because, like nowadays, I think you go back and you watch something like that, and even to a degree with this, uh, people talk differently. So yep. it's almost got that Shakespearean element of like you have to pay attention to how they're saying things, right. not necessarily what they're saying, because there's a lot of terms that we might not understand mm-hmm. or colloquialisms that might be lost on us. Nowadays, uh, it's the same sort of thing, and and people will often like get lost in that part of it, trying to follow the threads, follow the plot, and they get to the end, and then everything's revealed, and you know your your uh, uh, parlor room scene, um, and 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 then be like, wait a second, I don't understand. Where did that guy come from? What 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 was his motivation? Blah, right. Blah. And it's like, well, you just weren't following it, right? Um, but but that is it's a legitimate complaint for a lot of movies because or a lot of noir stories, because that is the case. A lot of the time it doesn't come through. Uh, It gets lost in translation with Parker, with, with this adaptation. And I'm sure like, you know, if Darwin Cook felt the need to adapt the novels into these uh, graphic novels, then clearly it struck a chord with him. So I would imagine that similarly, the novels are easy to, not easy to follow, but like clear. Um, yeah, and, and his storytelling yeah. is clear, even though he jumps around all over the place. I and and it's definitely helped by the fact that his characters are all immediately recognizable. Yes, um, they 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 each have like their own ways of speaking. So when you're getting there their narration you know who you, who's being read yeah um it's true yeah uh that actually happens in in uh the spirit as well which we'll talk about um but he uses a different device to do it there um it, it, he he just he know he understands he understands that like a mystery and and uh, a noir story not that there's much mystery to it but there is like there's an intrigue aspect to it it's a kind of a there's kind of a suspense thriller um element to the story and he knows that you know in order to follow that everything has to be really clear. Yeah. Right? If you're going to jump around in the timeline then Parker because he is a very um, he actually, the way that he draws Parker is really the way that he draws Bruce Wayne and the way that he draws <laughs> the yeah, spirit yeah. and the way that he draws, uh, characters in in the Superman book that, that we're going to talk about. Like it, it is his like leading man style. It is right? true.
0: Well, and he, um, I find Clark's that Parker actually acts like Batman quite a bit. He does. In yeah. this movie, even like just using his hands as yeah. weapons instead of
1: guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but but he's it's it's very clear. Everybody else is a caricature, or like has an element to them. Yeah, um, because Parker is just a guy, right? Like he's yeah. he's the way that he's drawn. Like he's just kind of your average handsome, you know, tall, dark, and handsome bad bad so, boy sort of thing. You
0: know that uh, this was made into a movie, right? No, Did you know no. that you know who plays the leading role. No, <laughs> it's Jason Statham.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh so yeah. i mean like i can see that but at the same For sure, time because
0: it has that kind of action and yeah. like he's that's a, a, a type of role that i think jason statham plays a lot um yeah. but he doesn't have that same 1960s i'm sure yeah. it's i'm sure it's contemporary i don't yeah, it's probably yeah, yeah. not made it probably doesn't take place in the 60s but yeah it doesn't have that same look <laughs> and jennifer lopez is the leading woman in that
1: yeah, so then I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's been made contemporary. because yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lopez just doesn't have that. Yeah, she's very much of now. Yeah. And, uh, uh the the you had me interested until you told me that Jennifer <laughs> Lopez is, and I'm like, uh, no, not a good actress. I don't. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. People don't like, uh, you know. I mean, like I love period. I think you love period. I as totally well. love. Yeah. Um, and and definitely like like the nineteen forties are, are are probably my my go to, like the thirties and forties is yeah. my favorite period for storytelling. Um even if it's I uh, like I consider Star Wars to be period as well and period of the nineteen forties because it is sci fi from the nineteen forties, the sci fi fantasy space opera from the nineteen forties perspective. Um but but a lot of people I think they're just so put off by by period. Yeah. You know? Like, it just, like... and So, adaptations get done, and uh, either the period element is, like, the front and center, like it is with Road to Perdition, where it's, like, that's more... It's more about the fact that it's a period movie than it is about the storytelling. Right. Um, Or, or like, Catch Me If You Can, or, like, there's a lot of movies, especially, like, a lot of Spielberg stuff, that, that if it's period, it's very much about the period and not you know, about like, oh, look at the cars, look at the buildings, look at the fashion, right. and that sort of thing. And the story gets lost. And I think that's what puts people off a lot. The one of the things with Darwin Cook is that like he pulls off period he makes it a character, but it's not overpowering. It's the setting and it and it sets the tone. Yeah. But the characters in the story are what follow through, right? So um so yeah, I, I can imagine how it, like that movie probably went through a lot of development hell, and uh, and was pitched as one thing and became all and like you know and then they attached Jason Statham to it and then it morphed into this completely different type of movie, right? right.
0: Where it's yeah. probably all like fast cars and
1: yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah it was just another transporter movie yeah exactly yeah cool well I yeah I really enjoyed it I I really really liked it um, not that I was expecting anything else (laughs) right Um, it's darwin cook after all it's darwin cook and it's noir so um but you know it was really cool because it was very different from the other two books Mm -hmm. that that we read who would have very different tones actually all three books have very different tones
0: yeah it's nice to see that um you know it's always good to see creators doing different things like they're not all um, pigeonholed into one one style or one particular genre or anything like that
1: yeah for sure cool well, I think that wraps it up for this one. Sure. So, uh, what are we, what are we reading next month? Um,
0: let's see. What are you reading
1: next month? Well, I I'm gonna pull. This is one oh, that's been. Sorry, let's. Sorry.
0: But let's. Um, I just want to say that we're we decided that we're going to continue Darwin Cook for one more episode. Yes. That's what we're gonna do next month. Yeah. Because, um, my cousin told me that we should really read darwin cook's final work before he passed uh called twilight children okay it's a four issue miniseries from vertigo and so written by gilbert hernandez and drawn by darwin cook okay so we're going to check that one out cool well that'll
1: be a really great great way to cap off yeah uh, it'll be a full month then it'll be four episodes so a full month of darwin cook yeah uh cool um well i'm, I'm looking forward to that uh I am pulling a book that has been on the top of my uh pull list for I don't know like I think I probably brought it up to you like about a year and a half maybe maybe even longer Well whenever World Jurassic World was coming out Yeah right? um well when that hype started for me <laughs> Yeah <laughs> um and that's... Uh, Maybe it was uh, right after Xenozoic. Yeah, it, probably right after Xenozoic. Yeah, uh, and it's Jurassic Park Classic yeah. Volume 1. So this is the... <laughs> I think this might be a first for us. Uh, the Topps-published Jurassic Park series, it is a movie tie-in. It's an adaptation of the film. Yeah. Um, but it does actually pull in a few elements from the novel, Yeah. Uh, which I, which I read... Uh, about a year and a half ago okay and so like it's still still fairly fresh in my mind so I'm I'm excited to to jump back into that it's something that I read as a kid um, but to and really the trade now.
0: was um, the rights to those comics were bought yeah. by IDW so yes. IDW released the yeah. trade yeah um, and it's actually got an all-star Creative team: Walt Simonson does the mm-hmm. adaptation with
1: Gil Kane on pencils yeah. and George Perez on inks. It is yeah. It's actually it's surprisingly great. Yeah, like that's one of the things about it that 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 I'm excited to to jump back in. Um, I, I maybe I will have to wait and see with the writing because I haven't read it in a long time, and I was obviously a kid when I first did. But the art is, like especially when you take into context like the time period that it's from, it's some of the best art from that time period, I yeah. think. So So yeah, that's my poll. What's yours?
0: Um, I'm picking a book. Um, it's a French-Canadian book called Paul Up North and it's by a guy named Michel Rebagliati. And uh, it's actually a ser- part of a series um, about this guy named Paul. And we just get snippets of his life in every, um, in every book. So they're not published... In any particular order like um, sometimes he's a kid sometimes he's an adult so in this one in particular he looks like he's I think a teenager um, and living in and he goes up to Montreal um, for a vacation or something like that so we get to read a little bit of this it's also a period piece I think the period is the 70s oh yeah 1975 1976 cool he goes to the Summer Olympics in Montreal and it's just kind of a slice of life book and cool. it's uh i'm a big fan of this series and this is the most recent one that came out um a few months ago
1: cool awesome well looks good yeah uh, so we got another we got another good good month in store yeah and uh and actually it was some some surprises in the next month or <laughs> so as well so awesome uh well that does it for this one so yeah thanks keep reading comics
0: For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out PullboxPodcast.com. To submit a reader poll, uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on
1: Instagram at Pullbox Podcast. You can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F you can you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com and uh, uh, that's the home of the thunderquack podcast network of which we are proudly a part and uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at thunderquack you can do that by heading to patreon.com/thunderquack and uh, and and you can you can pledge your support over there every dollar helps but uh, if you're a pullbox fan and supporter then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.